Hi, I'm Deb Crow, and welcome to season two of the Heart Centered Leadership Podcast. This is a podcast where we connect, learn, and laugh together with strong leaders from all over the globe. Here, you will learn from peers you haven't even met yet. You will gain new tools to add to your leadership toolbox. Because whether you're a C-suite executive or a first-time entrepreneur, we all contend with challenges and there's always room for improvement if we choose to seek it. So please pull up a chair and listen in. This is the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. Welcome back to Imperfect, the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. Today's going to be a fun podcast interview because I found someone with the same name. He's not Crow with a C, but he's Crow with a K without an E. So we had some fun dialogue back and forth before I hit record. So let me tell you about my guest today. His name is Ed Crow. He is the talent transformation expert for businesses. He looks to help them achieve eight figure growth. He's a captivating speaker. He's full of high energy and he loves to challenge the traditional model of HR and prepare decision makers for motivating their people to have a win-win strategy. So I'm looking forward to getting into a great conversation. So Ed Crow, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Deb. It's good to be here this morning. You know, it's so fun having the surname Crow, especially me with a C. I, I get lots of jokes from people saying, are you related to Russell Crow and Cheryl Crow? And I actually have a cousin named Cheryl Crow. And every time she tries to make a dinner reservation or buy tickets, people hang up on her. And she's like, no, no, I'm not the Cheryl Crow. I'm just exactly. Cheryl Crow. It's just so funny. Just hey, Cheryl Crow. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. I guess it's a blessing and a curse. It is. I, I'm so delighted to have you on the show. And my first leadership question that I want to derive, I want to read for the folks. You have a beautiful quote on your LinkedIn profile. And I love your, your profile picture, by the way. It's very thought provoking. Let me share with the listeners this quote that you've listed. And then I have a question to go with it. Don't downgrade your dream to fit your present reality. Upgrade your attitude, discipline, and skills to match your destiny. So my first leadership question is, how did you come up with that quote? And was that kind of you doing some inner work or introspection as a leader and speaker and coach yourself? Like, like so many folks that, that I'm sure you deal with, you know, as a business leader, we all have our our insecurities at times. We we suffer from imposter syndrome sometimes. And we have all these, uh, you know, I call them the gremlins, you know, talking in our ear, saying all of these bad things. And when I do work with my clients, a lot of times I'm telling them things I need to hear too. <laughs> Oftentimes when a business comes to me, it's because they're they're either struggling to hit a goal that they have, or they've exceeded the goal and they're like, oh my gosh, what do I do now? Things are, things are on a freight chain. I don't know how to slow this thing down. And so they, they all of a sudden start second guessing themselves. And so I like to talk those business leaders into, okay, look, it's time to, to shift our viewpoint of who we can be as a business leader and what our business can be as well. I'm working with a client right now who just epitomizes that. He was thrust into the ownership of his company due to the premature death of his father. And while he had been getting groomed for this role, it, it happened probably seven years sooner than they expected. And so he's dealing with 
an older, I mean, he's, he's in his mid forties, but he's de- dealing with his father's generation, the other leadership positions. And so he's intimidated at times. And I've said, look, you're the owner, you're the man, you know, you sign the paychecks, step into that. And, um, it's amazing what we're starting to see now, the changes in his business, because he has such great views of, of making this business bigger than what his father ever envisioned. And he second guesses himself because some of the old guards say, well, this isn't what your daddy would have done. Well, you're not your daddy. And they need to understand that. And so it's a great refresher for me to be vulnerable and to be vulnerable with my clients in such a way that they understand that I've got their best interests in mind as well. That's such a great example of the family business. You know, my father was third generation family business. It's a sink or swim model. If you can't evolve and pivot and shift and not to say you can't bring some of those generational values ahead but you also have to stay with growth and progression of the time. And I say sink or swim because nepotism is so well-versed and shows up in a lot of family businesses. And that's where that external non-biased source is so vital because you're not, you're not attached to, you're not part of such a great example. So thank you for sharing that. My second question, Ed, has permanent residency on the show. And we've interviewed over 155 leaders now. And everybody has got this question. Share with us what imperfections you bring to your heart-centered leadership. Oh, wow. You didn't tell me I was going to have to get the skeletons out today. (laughs) Um, I think it comes off of what we just talked about. And that I'm okay. Once I've got the, the relationship with my client, I'm okay being vulnerable with them and telling them if I don't have the answer that they need and that there's someone else I need to bring in who can better serve them. And I think that's critical because so often as sole proprietors, we tend to think that our clients think that we have all the answers. Come on. They know we don't have all the answers. And I've seen sole proprietors in consulting try to be everything to everyone and it ends up backfiring every single time. And so for me, even if it's bringing someone in who would seem to almost be a competitor to me, but they've got a specific skill set that I know I can't deliver on, then that's the right thing for the client. And if I've got that trusting relationship with the client and I've got the trusting relationship with my referral partner, then I shouldn't have to worry about losing a client. And, and so often I think that's the danger zone for people. And so, and honestly, I was there, you know, 10, 15 years ago, I was there. And I realized, well, it's the old, well, if the horse runs away, it doesn't come back. It was never yours to begin with. And so I, I've kind of adapted that policy that if I can't be who I am and that client leaves me because of who I am, that's probably the right thing. It's probably not a good match for us. That's what I bring to the table. You get Ed with all his goodness, all his flaws, and you know, take me or leave me kind of thing. And if I'm the if I'm the right guy to help you with your business problems, then we're going to work a lot of magic together. I'll tell you what I love about that. There's two things that you said that just resonate with me so so deeply. I'm often brought in to help other executive coaches and I do the same because I stay in my lane. I stay in my wheelhouse of what I have in my practice. 
And you've just seeded so beautifully that to have people over profit, you have to have that collaboration over competition. We are the CEO of our business. So if one of our clients needs something that we're not good at, what a beautiful offering to be imperfect and say, I don't do that, but I have somebody in my toolkit who I can pull in. May I make an introduction? You've just gone up another level on the respect, trust, and rapport meter with that client. And it's interesting, but you're right. The default is, well, what if I bring them in and they take my customer? We as coaches and consultants and speakers, we still have to do that inner work. We're still evolving. I still have a coach. I want to continue to be better. So I'm so happy to hear that. I mean, is it really an imperfection or is it just an amazing tool in your toolkit? Because you know who Ed is and you know what Ed can do. Powerful. Yeah, it is. And I think to your point, it comes back to our view of ourselves. I used to think it was an imperfection that I didn't have all the answers and I needed to have all the answers. And I realized that's impossible. You know, with, with age comes wisdom, right? <laughs> so I, I've just learned that, that it's okay to say, you know what, I'm going to get back to you. Or I know I'm not the guy for that. And I've got someone who is the person for you. And you're right. I mean, every time my clients have come back to me because I've been very conscious about cultivating other people like me in my stable. And so when I make an introduction to a client, they, they know that they're getting someone who I trust and, and who can deliver the solution they need. It's that self-awareness piece and it's powerful. There's so much power in saying, I don't know, but <laughs> I know somebody I know who does. Who does. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You know, really, to me, that's being a connector of people. It's something I love. I've there's been many beautiful, meaningful conversations on this podcast. And, you know, when we're done hitting the record button, it's like, oh, my gosh, I need to introduce you to so and so. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I figure it this way and I, I'm going to I totally forget whether it was Henry Ford who said it, but, you know, basically I've got to surround myself with people smarter than me. And, you know, you think about every head of state across the globe has a cabinet or a board of advisors or whatever each individual country calls it, because there are experts in, in specific areas that that head of state can't be an expert in everything. And so I figure if the power brokers of the world need to surround themselves with people that know certain things, Little old me can surround himself with people that know things I don't do. So it's being humble, being open. You know, we're not artificial intelligence. We're not robots. We're not human doings. We're human beings with feelings. And it's just a great mindset to be in. I love that, Ed. Okay. My third question is I had asked you what three words or phrases were at your top of mind when you think of your leadership and you chose the words in this order, influence, trust, and vision. Share where that culmination of words came from and is there a little bit of a backstory, good, bad, or indifferent to put them in that order? You just mentioned, Deb, that we as business owners and consultants are growing ourselves. And I realized oh gosh, maybe it was 2018 or so, that I do all of this organizational development work for my clients. And I hadn't been doing anything for Ed. And I realized, gosh, you know, I feel like I'm just getting stagnant. 
and I'm not fresh with ideas. And so I was doing some research on, on some things that I felt I could get my heart into. And I decided I was going to go learn some things from the John Maxwell team. I went to his conference, listened to his speakers, ended up getting, getting certified in his content. And he talks a lot about influence. And he has a quote where he says, leadership is influence, nothing more and nothing less. When you think about all the ways that we define what a leader is, none of them can work if someone is not influential. We probably don't have followers if we're not influential. If we don't have a vision, we're probably not influencing anybody. I mean, it, it, it is just, it's such an insightful thing. And so for me, I've recognized that if I'm going to be successful with my clients and I need to influence them to see things a different way, I've got to get them out of whatever rut that they're in. And so that's been something I've tried to cultivate in myself is, is to be more influential, not necessarily to the masses, but in the one-on-one -on -one relationships. From my personal relationships with my spouse and my children to my, my friends and obviously to my business network. Well, and what I love about that is you've put Ed back in the equation and you can't have self-awareness and really exercise it beautifully in, in your own life and the activities of daily living that you have. But when you have that foundation set with self-awareness, self-care is non-negotiable. And then we're really the best that we are as leaders. So I think we all have that journey and that renewal and recalibrating the equation of how it fits exactly. and we make it non-negotiable because when we are our best self, we just, we thrive and influence in all the areas of our life. So it's so important. And again, so great to get to that renewal and do that self audit. Again, we all do that. We are all so imperfect. Okay. My fourth question is, I would love for you to let us know what difference do you want to make for those that you're leading, but also kind of part two of that question, where are you evolving as a leader at the same time? As you mentioned in my, my intro, I challenge folks to think differently about what human resources is in their organization. So often, you know, when you say that to a business owner or a business executive, they right away say, well, that's the person that hires and fires. That's the person that keeps me out of legal trouble. That's the person who shuffles the paperwork. Okay. All of those things I call HR 101. Yeah, they, they all have, we have to check those boxes. But HR can and should be so much more in an organization. And I believe as a profession, we're called to be change agents. And that means that we have, it comes back to influence. We have to be on that leadership team, holding influence over what's best for the organization and what's best for the people and how do we marry those two things? Because if we get that right, watch out. There's really nothing that can stop an organization if we get those two things right. And, and it's not that hard to do. It's just that most businesses, either they, they focus too much on what's right for the business at the expense of the people and burn out and overwork, or they swing the other way. And I, I've actually seen this where they're giving away the farm to the employees, to the detriment of the business, and the business is literally going under because of the perks and benefits they're giving their people. So there has to be that balance. And so that, that's how I come at people challenges in business, is, is how do we give our people the best work experience that we can so that they bring their full selves to work every day 
can give their full time talent and effort to hit the goals that are important to us. And, and to me, if, if HR as a profession could adopt that model, we wouldn't see the depictions in the media uh, that we see, the, uh, the Toby Flendersons from the office and so on. We wouldn't see those depictions of HR because HR would be respected. Um, there was a follow-up to, to the question. Can you give me the follow-up? In what you just said and how you frame that, how does that apply to your evolving and growing as a leader yourself? It kind of piggybacks back on when you said, sometimes in the moment you're having a conversation and coaching or speaking and you realize it's a renewal or something that you need to migrate back to. So how are you continuing to evolve as a leader based on what you just framed in that question? Some of it I've worked on is, is my confidence level. There are times when I walk in and I sit down with a business executive who's running a, you know, an 80, 90, hundred million dollar company and I think, what do I have to offer this person? What is it that I bring to the table? I mean, they built this massive business. And I realize that obviously if they've called me, there is something that they need that they don't have. And that if I can get them to the next 10 million in revenue, or I can help them break through into some new geographic market, whatever it happens to be that they're needing, I have to remind myself, you know, I've, I've been doing this on my own for 20 years. I must be doing something right. <laughs> and so for me, it, it comes down to the confidence to know that, hey, I have solutions that I can bring to business leaders today. You know, it, it may sound self-serving, but I think sometimes, uh, at least for me anyway, confidence can be lacking. I'll second guess what I'm thinking or what I'm doing, but I've learned that that doesn't sit well inside of me. And so when I'm, when I'm sitting there with a, an executive and he or she's pushing back on something, but I know that it's the right thing for them, I stand my ground. And I've gotten to the point now where I know that that's maybe not a good fit. If they're pushing back too much, maybe they're not a good fit as a client. And I have to find someone else for them. And, and that's, a, that's a huge growth thing. You know, that gets us beyond that whole scarcity mindset. Oh my gosh, if I don't get this job, I don't take this job. There's not going to be food on the table next month kind of thing. And, and time and time again, I've been proven wrong that, that when you find that match with a really good client, not only is it fruitful mentally and spiritually and professionally, but the financial rewards come with that. And so I think there's a little bit of that, that letting go and trusting. At 53, I've got, I've got a few... Uh, uh, white hairs now, and I know what's going on, and um, and to, I've learned to trust myself more. Well, I love that, and I think a lot of people listening are going to resonate with some of the feelings and emotions and thoughts that you've had, and it just leads to us all being beautiful and imperfect. Okay, I'm going to switch gears to what I call my Fab Four. These are just four rapid questions that I'm going to ask you and we want to just know what's sitting top of mind. First question, tell us something that we don't know about Ed. Ah, uh, well, I had a, a career in the Boy Scouts when I was a kid and made it all the way to Eagle, did all that stuff. But what a lot of people don't know is that for a while I was on a Native American dance team and we performed in front of crowds the whole bit. It was actually a lot of fun. You're a dancer. Who, who would have thought? I don't know if you want to call it that, but yes. <laughs> okay, second question. Name a book, and if you can give us the title and the author, that's an added bonus that really impacted you in your life that you've read. 
oh, wow, to narrow it down to just one. I think from a, a pure business perspective, I would say Hug Your People by Jack Mitchell. Such a simple read, but so profound. I, it's almost prescribed reading for all my clients. I tell them all when I, when I speak in front of crowds, I tell them about this book because it really is employee relations at its simplest and at its best. And it goes to what you've been saying earlier. It aligns with the HR 101. I love it. Okay, third question. If you could have dinner with any leader in the world who is living or maybe who has passed, who would it be and why? And what would be like your burning question or discussion that you would want to get into with this leader? I would love to sit down with Ronald Reagan. The man was so insightful. Forget political views and, and whatever else, whether you agree or disagree with his politics. He wasn't afraid to take on the tough things of the day. I mean, when you look at the challenges that, that he took on with the Soviet Union and that kind of cowboy, take it or leave it sort of attitude, there was a tremendous amount of wisdom there. And, and, and I almost feel like he was one of the, the last people who had that true wisdom about him, that, that he knew how to to work a crowd, knew how to make people feel important. And, and you know what's interesting about him, and I, I fully agree with you, is the transferable skill that he brought from his acting career. Oh, yeah. He understood and knew people, and he could develop trust and rapport. It was amazing to watch. That's an interesting one. So before I, I give you my last question to close out the show, First of all, so exciting to have another crow on the show. Yeah. <laughs> and with a different spelling. And I just want to thank you for your time and your expertise and the transformation work that you're doing around the globe. It's nice to link arms with you. It's nice to know there's someone else out there doing heart-centered work and bringing that into leadership and having it being part of your legacy. And uh, just grateful our paths have crossed and, and look forward to more Crow conversations. My pleasure. Okay, Ed, I'm going to have you finish this sentence to close out the show. Heart-centered leadership is? Being true to yourself. If you're true to yourself, you can wear your heart on your sleeve and you won't be ashamed of that. You've been listening to the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. I'm Deb Crow. If you like what you heard today, please rate and review the show. And I'd love it if you'd visit my website at debcrow.com, where you can sign up for my newsletter and get access to the Heart-Centered Leadership Toolkit, all free of charge. Thanks for your time, and we'll see you again.